0: now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka. Welcome to episode 104, 104 of ADHD for Smart Ass Women. Today I am going to talk about goal setting, planners, and planning. And I thought this was the perfect subject given that this is our last podcast of 2020. But first, I would love to start out with a podcast review. And this one is from (laughs) IGCTGTH, and it's titled, It All Makes Sense Now. Thank you so much for your podcast. Earlier this year, by way of reading a novel, I got the inkling that I may have ADHD, I started doing a little research, and I identify with most, if not all, of the symptoms. Your 100th episode was the first time listening to your podcast, and it was like an introduction to ADHD. I already picked out a few episodes to listen to. Yesterday, I had a therapy appointment and said, I think I have ADHD. And after a few questions, and after I blanked on some of the symptoms, yeah, we all do that, she suggested it could be anxiety. Listening to your podcast, I will have the knowledge to come back and say no and advocate for myself. I can't wait to listen to your episode specifically addressing this. I feel that I am finding tools to change my life, which I've been desperately wanting to do for so long, but I could rarely accomplish my goals. And the term positive toxicity, OMG, rings so many bells for me. Okay. I'm going to go back and finish episode 101 now. Thank you so much. And thank you, IGCTGH. Yes, that is exactly what makes me happy. And it's the main reason I do this. So ADHD women learn how to advocate for themselves when medical professionals tell them, honey, it's anxiety or depression when in fact it's ADHD or maybe comorbid with ADHD. So thank you again. Let's talk about goals and planning for the ADHD brain, should we? This is something many of us struggle with. Our goals are too big. We don't know where to even start. We have too many to-dos and too many tasks on our list. We get bored, so we stop doing it. We have a brand new planner and we're so excited and we're doing great. And then all of a sudden we forget we even have a planner. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah, I'm raising my hand here. We think we failed. So we give up. We multitask, even though science tells us this does not work. And we don't do any of these things because we're lazy or stupid or unmotivated or that we have a character flaw. It's brain chemistry. We have executive function challenges. We struggle to schedule. We struggle to maintain motivation when we're bored. We struggle to plan. We struggle seeing into the future because we're time blind. So planning doesn't even make sense to us. If you want to know more about how and why ADHD affects time management, go to my podcast, episode eight. And then if you want some practical strategies for being on time and planning better, episode nine will help you as well. Right here I'm just going to give you a basic understanding of how our brains work around planning, goal setting, scheduling, and time. So the ADHD brain is inherently unable to anticipate and plan for the future. We typically have a very short time horizon, right? You've heard me say this a million times, right? There's now and there's not now. We are in the moment people, and there's so many strengths that surround that. But there are also some weaknesses. We do not have a practical understanding of what time even means, how long a project will take. I mean, what's the difference between 15 minutes, one hour, five hours, five days? Most people can physically see and feel time. We, on the other hand, we have to learn time. We have to externalize it by using clocks and timers. I need a timer. It's a way for me to start, but I also have to time myself so that I have some idea of how long it takes me to do, frankly, anything. Plus, We're distractible. So, often it doesn't matter what strategies we employ, right? At times, we're just going to forget. We're going to get distracted and forget we even have these strategies. We also have hyperfocus. And what is hyperfocus? Well, it's actually a lack of awareness around time passing. We lose track of time. If we're bored, five minutes feels like five hours. But if we're interested, five hours feels like five minutes. Time and emotional regulation, they are actually linked. It's our feelings about time and planning and goal setting that are the problem. We're often waiting to feel like we want to do it. And so we don't want to plan because what if we don't feel like doing it when we say we're going to do it? So these are just some of the many reasons why we struggle around setting goals and planning and scheduling and being on time. So what works? Well, you hear me say this all the time too, positive emotion. Don't catastrophize. Let's say that you don't get everything checked off your list or you forget that you even have a planner for a day. You get nothing done. Don't catastrophize this. I know we're all or nothing people, but you know what? You can do this, too, by developing an awareness around feelings and what causes positive emotion and then using that awareness to increase your own productivity. If there's a goal that you have no interest in achieving, I'm going to bet that you're not going to achieve that goal. But let's say in order to do what you really want to do, you have to complete a few yucky things, right? Ask yourself, is there any way I can make this much more challenging and fun? Or what part can I delegate so that I can get the big project done? For me, of course, that's anything administrative. Also ask yourself, so when have I been successful at planning, at goal setting? And then do more of that. The flip side is after anything that you do, that you're successful at doing, ask yourself, why were you successful this time? And why weren't you successful last time? It's amazing how awareness will help you to be more productive next time. For example, when you were successful, ask yourself, okay, so did I exercise before I tackled that task? Did I get a good night's sleep the night before I tackled that seemingly, for me, difficult task? Did I feel really connected with what I was doing or who I was doing it with? And then when you're not successful, ask yourself what decreased your productivity? Was I tired? Was I anxious? Was I constantly interrupted by my kids, my spouse, a work colleague? Was my workspace a mess? Was I on social media? Because I was doing everything I could possibly do not to have to do that one thing I did not want to do. So for some of us, just the word goal, it fills us with negative emotion, especially if we feel that we've never been successful with goals. So maybe for you, it's much more productive to focus on the bare minimum action that helps you reach a goal Rather than the actual goal, for example, if your goal is to find a relationship, but that just seems so dreadful and overwhelming, you could flip it and you could focus on the action or what I call the task, the doing rather than the goal. So my action could be, OK, I am going to go out twice a week with the goal of meeting someone. This could be, I'm going to go out on two dates every week, or I'm just going to get myself out of the house and do things I love doing, with or without friends, two days every week. Another example, let's say your goal is to run a marathon. Well, that sounds totally overwhelming. At least to me, it does. I'm one of these people that the only reason I run is if someone's chasing me with a knife. Truly. I'm a total workout queen, but running is not my thing. I don't feel like my body was built to run. So if I had as my goal, I have to run a marathon, there is no way I would do it. Now, if I focus on the action or the doing, that would feel a lot better to me. So I could say, okay, I'm going to run One mile a day, five days a week for the first two weeks. That could be my first goal. Instead of I'm going to run a marathon, right? So I'm focusing on the action rather than the goal. Or let's say your goal, well, this is actually my goal for 2021. (laughs) Let's say your goal is to actually write a book. I know I'm just so horrified and overwhelmed by it, but I really, really feel like I need to do it. I want to do it. So rather than focusing on the actual goal, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on the bare minimum action that would help me ultimately reach my goal. Something like, I'm going to write one page per day. I can write one page per day. Anybody can write one page per day. If I write one page per day this time next year, I'll have written 365 pages. Neurotypicals teach goal setting task completion by suggesting that you reward yourself when you've completed your tasks, but that often does not work for those of us with ADHD brains. Now, again, everybody's different, so it may work for you, but I can tell you if I want something, I'm just going to go get it. I mean, that's just part of... (laughs) It's it's my personality, right? And I was talking to one of my coaching clients about this and she's the one who brought it up and said that exact same thing. She's just going to go get it if it's something she wants. But what is rewarding for her, what's rewarding to us or more rewarding is this actual feeling of having completed the task, of having reached the goal. It spikes our dopamine way more than a reward like you get to go buy X. So, spiking our dopamine is the reward that works for both of us. But we had to learn this. We had to learn how to pause and to feel the positive emotion that came about after we completed a task or reached a goal rather than what we typically do, right, is we just blow past the task or even the goal and we move on to the next thing. Okay, done. What's the next thing, right? No, we really need to learn how to feel the positive emotion and the pride that we feel for ourselves in reaching our goal or completing our tasks. And if you can put the completed tasks right there in front of you, front and center, So you feel really good every time you pass by it, every time you walk by it, that's even better. Let me give you an example. So I have a client whose finances were a mess this time last year. It took her one year to pay off her bills and get her credit score up. It actually happened a lot quicker than she thought it would. So what did she do? About a month ago, she rewarded herself by getting a Platinum American Express card. Now, just hold on a second. I know you're going to think, oh my God, that should be the last thing that she does. But this is what she did. She put the Platinum American Express card in Apple Pay on her phone. It was the first card that comes up every time that she uses Apple Pay. She also put it in the first slot of her wallet where her cards go. And she put the Amex app on the main screen of her phone. Now. She's not using the card, but every time she pays for groceries or she shops or she opens her wallet to give out her driver's license number, she sees a reminder of her accomplishment and she's so proud of herself. This is a huge generator of positive emotion for her, and it shows up many times a day. It's a reminder of how proud she is of herself for reaching her goal. So if you can actually reach a goal and then use that goal to create further positive emotion and ratchet up your dopamine, that's even better. So as I was outlining this podcast episode, I actually went into our Facebook group, ADHD for Smartass Women, and I asked them to comment on how they felt about goal setting and planning and planners. And Lauren W. mentioned that she struggles with even coming up with goals so she can start planning. She doesn't know where to start. I want goals, but what goals are actually productive versus just noise? Like, where do I even start? I think most of us know what goal setting looks like for neurotypicals, but how should this process differ for those who are neurodiverse? Until this difference is pointed out, I can't really grasp what I need as I've been taught the neurotypical way. Another one of our members, Emerald May, offered this, my challenge I run into is which goal to focus on first. There are so many ideas I want to do. I'm a woman with big dreams. So how do you choose the right goal? Well, first of all, don't look outside yourself. I know it's easy to do that. You know, you might be in the middle of your family room Right now, and you're looking at piles of papers, your closet is a mess, your desk is a mess. You know, oh my gosh, I've got to create this website and I've got all the information piled up on my desk, but I haven't started. I need to pay bills. It's all so overwhelming and you feel like you should do it all, right? And guess what? There's no positive emotion in any of that, is there? Instead of doing looking for goals that way, what I want you to do is I want you to go inside yourself and I want you to ask yourself, What is it that if I got it done would reduce my anxiety and make me feel so much better? Maybe it would ensure that I'm not creating a new problem, right? I could clean out my pantry or my closet so I would wake up every morning and start the day out with positive emotion. I could complete that work project that's been hanging out there and nagging me every single day for the last month. Or I could pay those bills so I don't get all those late charges. What would make me feel less overwhelmed and proud of myself? Now, Grace P. offered in our group, knowing one's priorities and values really help with planning. I'm attracted to all the shiny habit trackers, and I always come back to why the heck do I care? What will I do with all that data? Good point, Grace. Michelle M. offered... I realized this year that I was avoiding goal-setting because I was afraid of letting myself down. Does this sound familiar? I also learned that I am the overly optimistic type. We are fat, aren't we, Michelle? (laughs) Recognizing this meant being willing to turn to others to keep me in check as I essentially relearn goal-setting and planning in a realistic manner, I also realized that my organizational skills and productivity are massively negatively impacted by my relationships. So, I have been cleaning house, so to speak. So, Michelle and Grace's comments lead us to the question of, well, why do we even have goals? Why do we need goals? Now, I've talked about this poll that I put in our Facebook group quite a bit, but I don't think I can talk about it enough. So I put a poll in the group, and the question was, do you feel like you care more about living to your potential and creating a life of meaning than your non-ADHD friends? I got 120 responses, which doesn't seem that large in a Facebook group of 20,000 members, except for there was anywhere, and I can't quite remember, it was either one person or three people were the only ones that responded that they didn't feel that way. They did not agree with that statement. I've also coached hundreds of women through your ADHD brain is okay, and I want to tell you that this is exactly what bonds us together. Living to our full potential, the desire to do so is what all my AOK women seem to share in common. And this makes so much sense to me. It's why we struggle with this belief that we're underperforming. We're never doing enough. We should be doing more. We know just how smart, brilliant, gifted we are, yet we often feel that we're not able to display our brilliance in full living color, whether that's because we feel we were never able to live up to that potential because of school, or we know there's even more where that came from and we haven't done quite enough, or... We know there's brilliance, but we don't know where it is in ourselves just yet. So goals are actually what help us live to our fullest potential. We can have all the potential in the world, but without action, without creating and reaching goals, who will ever know? How will we ever know that we're becoming our best self without goals? When we have goals that we want to reach and we meet them, we become who we've always been meant to be. We get closer to reaching our true potential. It changes us, right? Because we become more self-assured, more confident, more brilliant. We also have a much better idea of what we should do next. When we sit down and we create goals, we're forced to pause and pay attention to what we really want instead of blowing through life Putting out fires, right? And sometimes we strive towards a goal, but we don't meet it the way we had hoped we would meet it. But guess what? New learning comes about that's different, that leads us in a different path, and we discover something that we had never known about or had even considered. And often that can be even better taking that new path rather than reaching the original goal we had set out for ourselves. Look, another one of the common ADHD traits that I have discovered among most of the ADHD women that I have the privilege of spending time with is that we are lifelong learners. Goals help us to put structure around our learning. And as much as we balk at structure, I'm sorry, but we need it. It calms our brains down. It helps us focus. It lets us confirm what we should focus on. It reduces our overwhelm. Goals give our brains structure. Remember, ADHD brains, they're brains of interest. We have so many ideas. So it's kind of like, well, okay, which of the ideas of the many ideas that are floating around in our brain, which of those ideas is actually the idea that we're going to pursue? A goal helps us to commit to one of our ideas. We have a thought, a goal, right? And you know, and I know that everything starts with our thoughts because our thoughts are what then in turn generate our feelings and our feelings determine our actions and our actions determine our results. So, you need to think a goal if you ever want to achieve a goal. And when we can reach a goal, guess what? We feel better. We feel positive emotion. We feel like, hey, I can do this. We feel accomplished and we feel more motivation to continue because we were successful once. So we know that we can be successful again. Now, Grace and Michelle and their comment from our Facebook group, it keyed in on this idea that when you know what you value, what's important to you, what your priorities are, it's so much easier to choose a goal, a goal that's your goal and not someone else's goal. One other thing that I want to briefly mention, sometimes some of us don't want to choose a goal. We don't even want to think about goals because what we want and what we have, it's almost too painful to even consider that gulf, right? Between where we are and where we want to be. It's just too vast. In those cases, what has worked for my clients is to go back to gratitude first. And you're going to do that by making a list of everything you want. And you can be as pie in the sky as you want to make it. Dream big. You don't even have to call them goals. You can call them wants. But on that list, half of that list can be wants, but it also has to include haves. So it has to include things you already have. So half of it is wants and half of it is haves. So for example, I want two joyful children that are not afraid to be who they truly are. Well, I have two joyful children, but I want it too. So I want it and I have it. That right away generates positive emotion and gratitude. Another example is you may say, I want one friend who loves and appreciates me exactly the way I am. And then you're grateful because you have that one friend. You may say, I want a dog that's always happy to see me, and you have a dog that's always happy to see you. I want a brain that's creative and full of ideas. Yeah, that's what I want, and that's what I have. I want to be an eternal optimist. Well, most of us are eternal optimists. Whatever those things are that are in your life that you want and you also have, you're going to include them on your list. And that is going to help you brace that stark contrast, which could rear its head between what you want and what you have. So how about a few more ideas around how to choose the right goal? Well, I've said it, Many times, I'm going to say it again, look for the positive emotion. Get out of your head. And that's where we typically go, right, when we're looking for goals. We go to facts and figures and numbers and stats. We go to where those things live, which is in our brain, in our head. Instead, I want you to go with your gut, that rudder inside of yourself that is so much better at choosing the things that really light you up, that you're passionate about, that you truly want for yourself. Get out of perfectionism and just pick something. Look, perfection, it's a huge myth. I've talked about this ad nauseum as well. Nothing is ever perfect, right? You can always make something better. A lot of times perfection, it's just fear and it gives you an excuse not to act. Well, I will act once it's perfect. I will act once I know exactly what it is that I need to do. And so we're thinking and thinking and thinking, which makes us believe that we're actually working on an idea. We're working on a problem, solving a problem. And that's not true. We're just in our brains trying to muster up the courage to act on an idea or worse, convince ourselves why we shouldn't act on that idea to begin with. Until we act on an idea, we really won't have a clue how it's all going to turn out. So it is always about action. Also, create a goal that tells you what you will do rather than what you won't do. So for example, I'm going to stop procrastinating. Well, that's a terrible goal versus the minute I have a new assignment, I'm going to put it in my calendar immediately. Every Saturday morning, I'm going to look at my calendar for the coming week and I'm going to create a plan for that coming week that will ensure that I am done with every assignment two days before it's due. In that way, I'm going to have two days to not only review and edit my work, but also revel in the fact that I am getting everything done early. Revel in that feeling, right? I'm going to learn how it feels to be done early and I'm going to build awareness around it. I'm going to pay attention to it. Jenny asks in our Facebook group, has a wonderful idea. She says, I write out themes and mottos for the week, the month, the year. Sometimes I need a theme for the day. This is great. You know, creating a theme or a motto makes it so much easier to remember that we even have a goal It also helps us to choose goals, you know, just using these phrases that stick with us to help us reach goals and generate more positive emotion. For example, I have a couple of these themes or mottos. One of them is do it now rather than just letting it sit and wait. And then I forget if I can, I do it now. Another one is what can I delegate? Do you know how much you could get done if you woke up and that was your theme for the day? You know my VAs at the end of the day, when I go through my list of tasks, I look at my list and if there's anything left, I look and see, is there anything that I can delegate right now to my VAs? And there is no better feeling than being able to cross something off your list after someone else has done it for you, right? You didn't even need to be part of it. You didn't need to do it. Another one of my themes or mottos is be a last 5% finisher. You know, we tend to have all these projects that are 95% finished and they clutter up our brains, they clutter up our homes, they clutter up our computers, and they're never quite done. So it was one of our members in our Facebook group. Her name is, I believe it's Stein Larson. I think that's her last name. She wrote a poem about being a last 5% finisher, and that had such an impact on me because I realized that I would get my project done 95% through, and then it would still be hanging out there and not be completely done. But ever since I read her poem, I always ask myself, have I finished the last 5%? Am I a last 5% finisher? Another one of my themes or mottos that regularly goes through my brain is one more little thing. Sometimes at night, you know, I may be sitting in front of the television or just doing something that doesn't require a work brain. It doesn't really require a brain at all. And I'll look through my task list and I'll ask myself, is there one extra thing that I can do right now that I can cross off my list? that will spike my dopamine levels. Honestly, anything that I cross off my list will spike my dopamine levels, right? And lots of times there's these little things on your to-do list that you don't get done during the day, but you could do it because you don't need to really be mindful when you're doing it. You could do it while you're sitting in front of the television. You could do it while everybody is sitting, you know, on the couch and kind of reading their book. So... That one more little thing is what I always ask myself at the end of the day. Is there one more little thing that I could cross off my list that would be so easy to get done and it would spike my dopamine if I could do that? Another thing I say to myself all the time, too, is there are two people in this world, those who observe and those who perform. Be a performer. What can I do where I'm actually acting rather than just observing others act? Another example of creating these themes or mottos is I worked with two clients over Christmas who really, because of COVID, they were really worried about what Christmas was going to look like, what it was, what was it going to feel like? And so they created these little mottos for themselves. One of them was Is this a Christmas connection for this particular client? Connection is so important to her, and she wanted to make sure that her and her son were connecting as much as possible through the holidays, even though her mother had been tested positive for COVID and she was now quarantining, as was her son. So it was just her and her son, but she constantly asked herself throughout that Christmas day, Am I making a Christmas connection with my son? Another client wanted to make sure that she would do all those things that she really wanted to do during the holidays with her girls, like baking, like going for walks, like playing games. And so she would consistently ask herself throughout the Christmas holiday, am I creating a Christmas of fun? So, for those of us with ADHD brains, you know, the focus has always been about productivity, right? How do we plan better? How do we schedule better? How do we set better goals? But these are all the things that we're not particularly good at for all the reasons we just discussed. But what are we really good at? Well, we're ideation machines, right? We're creatives. We're naturally creative, maybe not always here's a musical composition or a painting that I've made, kind of creative, but creative in how we take all our many ideas and come out with a work product, a new thought, new ideas, a big picture overview. Again, the focus has always been about productivity. And actually, I believe that the focus needs to be on creativity instead. How can we make this task or goal more fun, more challenging, more creative even? Okay, so let's talk briefly about planners. The plan for using a planner. You all know I've been working on a planner for a year now, so I've been studying them for at least that long. Fortunately, or unfortunately, my AOK Everyday Planner, it's sold out, so you can't buy mine. But let's say you need a planner and you've never been successful with a planner. What should you buy? Where do you start? Look, As much as we want to reject all planners and planning systems outright, and I will raise my hand for that, every time I help anyone put together a plan, they feel more positive emotion and hope. They feel less overwhelmed. It's out of their head. It's down on paper, and it doesn't seem nearly as overwhelming. In a lot of cases, it's really fun. And they realize that, yes, they can do it. Just the fact that all of your scheduled events and appointments are all in one place, you just automatically feel so much more in control. The truth is we need the structure. So how can we choose a planner that's going to work for us? Now, I want you to remember all ADHD brains are different. We are not all the same. So what works for one does not work for all. I know there are many women in our Facebook group who just swear by the bullet journal, which by the way, was created by a man with ADHD, and I have to tell you, I just swear at it. I bought all the materials for it, but for the life of me, I just cannot even get started. Others love digital planners and digital apps. My son would be one of them. I personally, I need paper and pencil some of us, it actually works to plan when in the calendar you're going to do the task. So there are um, clients that I work with that literally will put, okay, between two and three, I'm going to work on this particular project. Now, I have tried that. It doesn't work for me. I need to feel like it, right? So I can put it on the day as far as I'm going to, this is going to be my big task for the day, but I cannot... Oh, of course I can. I can put the time, but I'm never going to do it during that time. I think I'm just going to be obstinate just on purpose, right? So I never have to do that. So the deal is, though, you need to try and see what you're successful with. Because just because it works for me, again, does not mean that it'll work for you. But this is a universal ADHD comment. Simple is where it's at. The fewer bells and whistles, the simpler, the better. You need to be touching your planner many times a day. If it's out of sight, it's going to be out of mind. Along with that, it's got to be easy in, easy out. So you're going to put the planner where you can see it. And if you have the choice between a giant planner with all kinds of tabs and sections for your calendar and a minute-by-minute schedule and what you eat and you put your exercise in there and your car maintenance versus a simple monthly calendar choose the latter. If you have not been successful with planners before, choose the latter. You will not use 90% of that giant planner, and you will come to resent it, so you won't even open it. A simple calendar with one page per month, you're going to be much more likely to use. If it's individual pages and not bound up in a book, so you can put each month's page on your desk, easy in, easy out, right? You're not having to go into a planner, find the proper month, Find the proper week, find the proper day. Nope, it's just out there on your desk, ready to go. You see it, you use it. And that's exactly how I designed my AOK day. It had to be super simple on cardstock. All I need to do is bring my monthly calendar with me, which is one page, and inside it is my weekly schedule, my task list. What else could help? Find a time every morning that you'll look at your calendar. And if you can link it with something like your morning coffee, or if it just becomes the first thing you do when you sit down to your desk and the last thing every night when you leave, that is even better. So can you connect your calendar with something you're already in the habit of doing? Number two listen to this one. (laughs) Write very neatly. Again, remember it needs to be easy in, easy out. If it's a big screaming mess and it takes you 10 minutes to figure out what the hell you even wrote down, again, you're not going to use it. There is no positive emotion there. You will not be motivated to refer to it if it's going to take you 10 minutes to decipher what it is that you wrote. So Very, very neat printing. I only use pencil. I understand there are also erasable colored pens if you want colored pens. I like the monochromatic, my Muji number 5. Actually, it's a Muji 0.5 millimeter lead. It's a balanced mechanical architect's pencil. When I'm in New York, I buy a whole ton of them. And that is the only thing that I write with. I just love that pencil. Now, In your planner, you're going to write down all your events, your appointments, your test dates, your assignments, your kids' school calendar, your meetings. You're going to write it all down first on the monthly portion of the calendar, okay? I also have all of my meetings in Google Calendar. I gave up on iCal, and I can't even really tell you why other than for some reason in Google Calendar, everything is there. I never lose it. And I love it because I do so much on Zoom and half the time I'm late, right? I'm pillaging through my Gmail, looking for the Zoom links and I can't find them. And I discovered that I can very easily add all these Zoom links when I sign up for these meetings or when people, you know, request meetings from me, I add them to my Google calendar and then everything is there in one place. So even if I'm, you know, a minute late, I just go to my Google calendar and I know it's all there. Okay, so Jessica S. in our group, she offered this. I struggle with planning things. I don't know how to do and or haven't done before. Sometimes I think I know what I'm getting into and don't leave myself enough time to do what actually needs to be done. But most of the time, I feel like I just have no idea what needs to be done or how long it will take. I know the break it into smaller pieces strategy, but I'm saying, I don't even know what the pieces are. How do you begin to figure that out? And how do you estimate a timeline in that situation? Nadine B. offered, As a consultant, planning ahead and giving estimates is the bane of my professional life. It is nearly impossible for me to correctly estimate how long it took me to do something, let alone take a bet on the future. For three days, I wrote everything. She put that in caps. Everything I did in 15-minute blocks. I got enough data to get more accurate estimates of the time it takes me to do a specific task. I also learned to acknowledge all the little things that need to be done in between needed to be accounted for as well. Include time. I think she meant including time for administrative tasks. Yes. I use an undated panda planner so I don't feel like a complete failure who wasted another planner again. I pick up where I stopped using the planner over time allowed me to look back and observe that I tend to expect too much of myself. And that's another reason why I fail at finishing what was on the plan to get to my objectives. I have to keep asking myself, is this activity helping my goal? Rachel S. then said, Figuring out how to break larger, vague goals into smaller, more manageable tasks. So that's what she struggled with. And she continued on by saying, I've worked on this by trying to write down the steps as if I were explaining it to someone else to help to jog my memory. So this is how I deal with all the stuff in my brain and what goal I'm going to work on. And this is exactly how I set up AOK every day. So once or twice a month, I do what I call the A-OK brain download. You're just going to get a plain old piece of paper out. All those to-dos, ideas, and deadlines, they increase your stress and anxiety, and they contribute to your feelings of overwhelm. Get them all out of your head by writing every last one of them down on a piece of paper. So once you've done that, You're then going to cross off everything that you can say no to and let go of. And when you see the list you're going to create, you're going to realize there are a lot of things that have been floating around in my brain or they've been on post-it notes, but I really don't need to do those. And there are so many other things that should take priority that I really want to do for myself. So let's cross off all of those things that you can say no to and let go of. Then you're going to put a D in front of everything that you can and should delegate to your work colleague, your assistant or VA, your spouse, your kids. Yes, kids should have chores. Then you're going to put an H in front of anything on your list that you don't enjoy doing and you can hire out. For example, house cleaning, gardening, laundry, assistant. I don't even want to hear, I can't afford to do this. Well, with an ADHD brain, you can't afford not to do it. You are spending time doing things you suck at, which is preventing you from doing those things that you excel at and love to do. Typically, when we're good at something, we make a lot more money at it than the things we're bad at, right? So we are going to hire those things out that we can hire out. Now, there may be things that you're not good at. But every once in a while, you have to do them. Like there's no way around it, right? You're a single mom and you hate to do dishes. It is unrealistic to have people coming in after every meal to clean up after you, unless, I don't know, you have a trust fund, right? In that case, it's all about getting creative and asking yourself, how can I make this fun? Okay, so the first thing I would do is (laughs) who in the family can help, right? But can you listen to music? Can you listen to podcasts? Can you put on a timer and play beat the clock? Again, the first thing I would ask is, are there kids and how old are they? (laughs) Kids are part of the family. They need to help. Again, they need chores. Then what you're going to do is you're going to put a U in front of everything that needs to be done urgently. Highlight these items and add the due date. You know, things like you got to pay your bills, right? Then you're going to put a W in front of everything that is not urgent, but you're really interested in doing. Now, if there's anything that's left, you're just going to get rid of it. Everything else can just be crossed off your list. Now, I want you to be successful. So we're going to start out really slow and simple. Remember, simplicity is always the name of the game for us. If we know exactly what to do, we're going to do it. What you're going to do is you're going to choose only one goal from your AOK Brain download per week. And this is going to be your work weekly goal. First, you're going to look, is there a large urgent task? And it's got a deadline that I can't ignore. And if you have one of those, that is going to be your first goal. If you don't have one of those, choose a task that's not urgent, but you'd really like to complete it first. This task or goal, it should be big enough that you can comfortably complete it in a week, but not so big that you'll be working extra hours to get it done. Okay? So, you're going to Get a separate piece of paper now, and you're going to print this one large goal that you've chosen at the top of your weekly task list. This is your big weekly goal, but it's not really that big. So let's say this is going to be your medium weekly goal. Look, if you struggle with planners like Nadine and Jessica, you likely also underestimate how much time it takes to complete tasks, right? Just like they did. We tend to be optimists. We also struggle to break tasks down. Instead, and I do this, I had this for months on my task list. It said build website. And what I would do is I would just move it from one task list to another. And it literally went on for months because the task was so big. It was so overwhelming that I didn't even know where to start. So if you've got those kind of tasks that never even get started, that move from one task list to another week after week, no wonder we, you feel unsuccessful, right? And you believe that planners don't work for you. We just don't know how to use them. So executive function coach Sarah Ward uses a term called backward planning, which I did tons of research for my son. I don't know, probably three years ago. In our case here, we have our one big goal that we can complete comfortably in a week, and we're going to go backward from there. So, what we're going to need to do is write down all the steps that we need to accomplish that particular goal. So, for example, in my creating a website example, my weekly goal is never going to be create a website, unless I'm a website designer, right? But I'm not. So, my weekly goal instead might be, okay, I'm going to build my homepage, so, in order to backward plan this, I make what I call a goal decode list. So, that's on a completely separate piece of paper, okay? So, you've got your your brain download, right, which is on a separate piece of paper, and now you're going to choose the goal, and you're going to have a second blank piece of paper. You're going to put goal decode at the very top of it, okay? Okay? And what you're going to do is you're going to write down the most basic first step to accomplishing your big weekly goal. Then you're going to write down the next most basic second step to accomplishing your goal. And you're going to continue on writing down the third, fourth, fifth, and following steps to completing your big weekly goal. So what materials would I need to get this job done? What do I need to do to reach this goal? Well, I would need to confirm my color palette, right? And then I would probably need to confirm my fonts that these are the fonts that I'm going to use for my website. I would need to compile a file with images that I'm going to use on that homepage. I would need to write the homepage copy, which I would likely break down into several tasks. So I don't know if Your homepage copy is broken down into, let's say there are three goals that you, I hate to use the word goal because I don't want to confuse you, but you know, you create a homepage and what is the goal for the homepage? And then you address the copy based on what those three individual goals are. So you would write copy around goal number one for the homepage, goal number two for the homepage, goal number three for the homepage. In this particular case, they would be tasks that you would need to complete your goal. So, all of these items and more would be added to my goal decode list. Once I complete my goal decode list, I'm then going to sprinkle these tasks onto a weekly task list. So, this is my third piece of paper, okay? I'm creating my weekly task list at the very top, I'm going to put my goal for that week, and then I'm going to take the tasks that I've decoded on my goal decode list, and I'm going to sprinkle these tasks throughout my weekly tasks list. Now, I'm not going to add any more than two of these tasks to any day and no more than 10 tasks total for the week. Now you're going to have other things that you want to do, right? That are going to make your to-do list, that they're going to make your weekly task list. But for this medium sized goal, your goal for the week, I want to make it as simple as possible and not overwhelm you so that you actually accomplish and reach this goal. So the smaller you can make the tasks so that you're successful, the better. Now. We're gold star people, right? When we feel accomplished, this motivates us to stick with it. Every time we successfully check a task off our weekly task list, that further motivates us to continue. This is why it's so important to choose very small, realistic, doable tasks. Honestly, the smaller, the better. So whatever your goal is, the smaller you can break down those tasks, the more things you're going to check off your list every day the more motivated you are going to be, the more proud of yourself you're going to be, You're just going to feel more positive emotion, and that means you're going to want to continue. So when you accomplish these tasks, though, it's also important that you make a point of celebrating your success because this too motivates you to stick with it. Make the time to pause, make the time to feel the positive emotion that's generated by by completing your task, and give yourself gold stars. Don't just rush through it and on to the next thing. Okay, so let me give you a few more tips before I leave you for the year. One of the things that has totally changed my productivity, I think I talked about it in a podcast a couple weeks ago, is that I spend 30 minutes every Saturday morning planning my upcoming week. Now, when I do that, I can enjoy my weekend free from overwhelm. And guess what? I hit the ground running on Monday morning. I know exactly what I need to do. What else can I tell you? Pay attention to what time of day you're most productive and plan on tackling your goal tasks then. I know for me, first thing in the morning, unless I have a hard deadline, literally like a 10 a.m. deadline, then I can get done whatever I need to get done. But if I've got the whole day to work through a number of tasks, I will never get through the biggest task first thing in the morning. I just know that about myself. So because I know that I often have trouble getting going in the morning, that's when I do my small, easy tasks. I check them off my list. I generate enough dopamine and positive emotion to motivate me to move up the task ladder and work on and check off those more difficult tasks pay attention to how long things take you to get done. The beauty of using, say, a Datex Cube or a Pomodoro-type, you know, application, they've got a bunch of them. I have one that sits on my computer. I don't really need it anymore, but I used to need it. And I loved it because I could put in what I was working on and then how many Pomodoros I needed to do to get through that particular task. A Pomodoro is typically 25 minutes. But that really taught me how long it takes me to get through these tasks that are on my task list. Remember, we're more productive when we're having fun and feeling challenged, right? Again, positive emotion. It increases our chances of completing our tasks and to-dos. How many times have I said this? If you remember nothing else, it's all about positive emotion. So ask yourself, are there some tasks that are easier to complete when you can, oh I don't know, listen to music or listen to podcasts or an audiobook. If you can watch television, if you can take a walk and do it. Like for me, I am much more successful listening to an audiobook or a podcast if I'm walking or I'm working out. Can you work in a coffee shop or co-working space assuming there's no covid? Or can you virtually co-work using an application like Focusmate? I'm sure you all know we have our own Focusmate group, ADHD for Smart Ass Women. It's basically a virtual co-working space. And for a lot of women, that has literally been life-changing. Just knowing there's someone there on the other end of their computer screen that is also working through some tasks and getting them done is enough motivation to get rid of the FOMO, the fear of missing out, right? And- It allows you to sit in your chair and get your work done. You don't even have to sit in your chair. You can use it for anything. I have women who exercise using it. There are women who cook using it. And of course, there are women that work, right? That do, you know, online kind of work or offline kind of work. What else? Okay. If you're procrastinating, you're likely overwhelmed. So you need to break down your to-dos into even smaller tasks. Focus on the end feeling what will it feel like? How proud will I feel of myself if I get those tasks crossed off my list today? I'm going to give you a perfect example that just came to me. So I was supposed to record this podcast in the morning, but I had so many appointments and I only had a one hour time slot that I could have gotten it done. And of course I didn't. And so I thought, you know, maybe I'll just record that tomorrow morning. Although I know I've got all kinds of appointments set up for tomorrow morning. And then my afternoon, I'm taking off to drop off baked goods with all of our family. And so I thought, you know, you need to record this today. Think about how good you will feel that you put this on your task list for today. Think about how good you'll feel when you cross that off your task list. So what I did is I went into the future And I put myself in this position of focusing on the end feeling, how good I would feel, how proud I would be of myself that I didn't just put it off until the next day, that I actually got it done. And I can tell you here and now I'm almost done with this podcast. I did it. I'm so proud of myself. I'm so glad I did it and didn't leave it for tomorrow. So focus on that end feeling after you're done with getting through some tasks or accomplishing a goal, ask yourself, why were you successful? If you weren't successful, ask yourself, why weren't you successful this time? It really is all about awareness. Awareness is going to help you be more productive next time. We need to stop and pay attention. Now, you may need to take breaks or you may be like me, That once I get into hyper-focus, I'm like a train. You just keep me going. And my problem is then how do I stop, right? So everybody is different. A lot of our ADHD women, they love the Datex Cube. They love Pomodoro because they look forward to that five-minute break. And that's what gets them through their 25-minute session or their 45-minute session. You just need to try both those ways and see what works for you finally don't overplan and i'm going to leave you with two comments from lee j in our group and then again grace p who had a lot of good things to say about planning and this is about overplanning the planning is something i have developed skills for prioritizing based on deadlines professional and financial self-care and time for relationships using a planner That maps each day out in 15 minute increments and has a monthly layout so I can see each day up close and consider the big picture at the same time. I wish I could do that. I'm so happy that you can, Leah. It's also my catch all for important phone numbers and other things I don't want to get lost. My challenge is accountability and follow through. I feel like unless there's some rigid, defined consequence, if I don't follow through, there's a good chance things will still slip through the cracks. How do I stick to my thoughtfully crafted and beautifully color-coded plans? Ugh, I wish there was some magic answer. I loved Grace's follow-up comment to Leah. Grace P. said, For me, it was learning how to not overplan what I could do. So having projects lists so I never run out is good. But what must I do today? is even better. Some days I only do three things out of 15, but because I remember by writing it down, I can usually get the three most important things in. I love that. Don't over plan. Again, the more successful you can be at planning and goal setting the first time, and then the second time, and then the third time, that ensures that you have put together a plan, a way to plan, a way to goal set that works for you. And you know that if you're successful once, and then you're successful a second time, and then you're successful a third time, you will know how to be successful at planning and goal setting every time. So that's what I have for you for this week. Happy New Year and welcome 2021. Oh my gosh, I've never welcomed a year more than this year, this up and coming year, right? So this episode is brought to you by Your ADHD Brain is A-OK. If 2021 is the year that you will fall in love with your ADHD brain and you want to figure out a way to do that, A-OK will teach you how to do that for you. And I'll be running the program again at the end of January, the beginning of February, but you can join the waitlist at tracyotsuka.com forward slash waitlist. So if you like this episode, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. And your reviews, they really do help in that regard. One more thing, if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview or a topic idea for this podcast, you can go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com and leave me an audio message or reach out to me at tracy at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next year in the new year. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast.